This podcast is brought to you by Trent Moeller and Hunter Crawford. In this podcast series, we sit down with people from various backgrounds and experiences that have found success in their lives. You'll hear inspirational stories from people who have worked hard and made an impact along the way. Join us on this journey as we learn from entrepreneurs, community leaders, and business people from around the country that have gotten it done. You're listening to Living Without a Blueprint. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Living Without a Blueprint. Co-host Trent Moeller here alongside Hunter Crawford, and today we've got Mary Landheis, business owner in Southwest Iowa, joining us on our guest segment, but let's kick it off with our opening segment. Yeah, what's up, Trent? How's your, how's your last two weeks been? Let's, let's hear an update from you. What's been going on out there? Gosh, our last two weeks have been quite interesting. I think uh, prior to that, the, the month before that had been pretty hectic. I had made the move down to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, went to Hawaii on vacation, uh, you know, started uh, you know, same role with the, the company that I'm with, but a uh, new area, learning all those customers. So it's been pretty busy. So the last two weeks have been uh, pretty enjoyable to finally get back in the swing of things, um, get everything back on equilibrium and um, just just try and get a, a good set of pattern and, and uh, you know, everyday lifestyle down. How about you, Hunter? Well, I, I can't imagine how stressful it must have been for you to spend a week in Hawaii. I mean, I, I, I'm, I feel bad for you. I know we had to ride out a couple snowstorms while you were gone. So, uh, yeah, just feel real awful about that. But, no, the last couple of weeks have been good. Um, you know, kind of like you said, we're, we're kind of in that, that middle ground where it's like spring is – is almost on the horizon in front of us, but we're still just kind of, kind of wearing winter clothes still, and it's still cold, and and just just ready for the sun to start shining to be able to go outside. But you know, uh, I, I actually started a book last week. I I find myself you know not really able to get into a lot of good books, and you know it's probably something I just I just don't spend enough time committing to, but. Started a book called Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making by Trey Gowdy. So Trey Gowdy uh, kind of dabbled in some politics. He has a history as a uh, federal prosecutor and a state prosecutor and just has a really nice background in history. And so you know, through this book, he talks about how there's lot, many pivotal points in life where you have to make a decision, you know, your, your desires and your goals in life sometimes change right in the middle of a a long career, right in the middle of, you know, being married. So he just illustrates really nicely kind of the process of making those, those decisions. And, and one of the ways that he, he does that is with having the, the end in mind. So he, he kind of goes through, you know, what do you want your personal brand to be? What do you want your your legacy to be? Um, Visualize what people are going to say in the receiving line at your own funeral. And, so basically start at that point and then make changes in your life based off that. And I thought it was kind of profound, kind of interesting way to way to look at things anyway. So, Hunter, do you find yourself struggling sometimes to carve out that that specified reading time during the day? I think that's been my biggest challenge is I've got a whole shelf full of books that I'd love to read and love to get to. But I think it's going to take me actually carving out a half an hour or an hour every day in my calendar or however I'd want to do that in order to actually get myself to read on a consistent basis. How have you been handling that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because it is tough in our minds to, to carve out that time. So it's interesting how we prioritize our time. I feel like, and, and w- when you put it into perspective with where you're, you're currently spending your time. So for example, I, I saw a post on you know Facebook or Instagram recently about people who, who make excuses about not having time to do things. So, you know, for example, they'll say, I don't have 45 minutes to work out, but you know, 45 minutes on your phone watching TikToks flies by like nothing, right? Um, you know, a half hour to go and, you know, grab a salad or I don't know, you know, just, just things like that. So the point I'm trying to make though, is, you know, there's, there's times at night when you're on your phone or you're, you're scrolling through TV, trying to find something to watch on TV. I just had to put the phone away, put all the distractions away and just pop the book out. And, 
the nice thing I feel like is when you get into a good read, it's it's hard to put down. This, this book is really tough to, to want to put down just because I want to fit. I want to find out what's next. You know, what's what's the next chapter about? So finding a you know a good author, a good a good style of books that you like, I think is is an important part of the, the puzzle anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, prioritizing your time. Um, I think for me, it's been uh, working out just like that. It's easy to make excuses, but once you have that in the back of your head, like, hey, every morning for an hour, I'm going to get up at this time and I'm going to commit to doing that. My phone's on silent. No one's going to reach me. This is my time that I'm going to prioritize for myself. And um, I'm, I'm sure I can start doing that with books now too, or should probably start. But um, I think it is really important. We get caught up in all the busy things that we have going on, on you know, in our lives and just taking those blocks of time and kind of recharging, however that may be, is, is definitely pivotal to, you know, having a healthy life. You know, something that Trent, you and I have been talking about here. So Trent and I have had the, had the chance to be in, in the Des Moines area for some work training the last few days. And, and a chunk of our time this week was, was focused around, you know, building a personal brand and and what that looks like and so you know we kind of talked about that in in regards to that book i was reading but i don't know if you you had any you know takeaways from that or something that you thought was profound from from our week here in, in des moines doing training together absolutely i think building your brand um is something that when you're in the heat of things it's not something that maybe you keep in the back of your your head uh, but once you take a step back and actually think okay when I leave that office with my customer or when someone in my community sees me walking around town, what are their thoughts of me? Um, and, and you can get lost, I think, in, in caring too much about what people think about you. But, um, you know, having that integrity, having um, those things that you value and, and trying to be consistent in all walks of life, um, it's definitely an important time in our lives right now. We're coming from, uh, you know, four years of us not really having a ton of responsibilities and, um you know, having the opportunity to, I don't know if you'd call it not having to be as mature or, you know, we, we're we still kids in a sense. But now that transition of, hey, we're not in school anymore. This is our professional life. And the decisions that we make now are going to affect how people look at us and potentially the opportunities that we're going to have in the future. So um, some key takeaways for me, uh, just building my brand or, or trying to anyway, uh, some key words I thought were hardworking, um, humble, organized, um, were the, the ones that in the activity that I put down. And I'm not saying that I'm all three of those all the time, um, but those are definitely three qualities that I aspire to continue to, to better myself uh, each day and, um, you know, just, just try to be better, you know, every day. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know... Uh... I, I keep coming back to this book, but it ties so well into, you know, living without a blueprint and so, so many other themes that we've brought up over the last few episodes kind of resound in this book, but something that kind of ties back to the personal brand is when you're, when you're coming up to a, a pivot point or a potential change in your life, one of the things that people are really focused on is what they think others will think of them or what, how others will view their career move or their personal move. Um, you know, when in reality, when, you know, making big decisions, making big changes, um, you know, deciding whether to start, stay, or leave, um, the, only, the only opinion of that change should really be the opinion of the person that you're looking at in the mirror. And, you know, Trey Gowdy just does a really nice, nice job of going through that and explaining that. So I encourage everyone listening to, to check out the book if, if that's something that interests you, um, it's, it's really not too long of a read at all, but he does a really nice job of, of highlighting some of those decision-making processes and, and what your, you know, your personal brand image looks like. Yeah, I mean, if Hunter's reading it, I can't imagine it. It's too difficult. There might be even a couple pictures in there or, or something to, to entertain you. Big text, lots of pictures. No, there's, there's, I don't think there's any pictures. I haven't gotten too far in, but. Well, folks, we're going to get to our guest segment here in just a few minutes, but one preface into that, uh, Mary, like I said, business owner in Southwest Iowa, uh, one thing that we're going to talk about in this interview is how she has taken the business, her family business, and as, as she's become the leader in that, 
how they've grown as a business to diversify their interests in order to, uh, you know, change with the growing times, um, you know, spread out risk, all those types of things and how it's very important to do that in order to be not only successful at the time being, but sustainable for years to come. And I just wanted to take this moment and give our audience um, a lesson on um, our co-host here right to my right side that has definitely diversified uh, his own interests. So Crawford, yeah, you're a salesman with Corteva AgriScience. You're a paramedic. You've got your real estate license. I don't know how many houses you sell. I, I do have the license. I, we're, we're working on increasing, but we can literally only go up from here. So You're, you're recently a new podcaster, and if all those things aren't diversified enough, you're a public notary. Yeah, that was a pretty tough process of, of getting, the, getting the notary stamp. It's a pretty, pretty thorough online application. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine... I bring that up because it's it's definitely uh, interesting when when I came home, you know, after first meeting you, uh, you know, five years ago, talking to my family and, and peers about the friends that I've made. That's that's always a kicker for all of them. Like, who is this kid? And what the what doesn't he do? It, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. I thought the audience would would get a kick out of that. You know, kind of. I mean, in that vein. But on the serious side, I mean, yes, I, you know, I, I have a lot of interests. Some of them are, are career motivated. Some of them are just to, to, to do something different, right? But what I love about having multiple areas of expertise or multiple areas of experience, we're really not expertise in, in a lot of these areas yet. But when I, when I go to my job as a paramedic, so I, I do that part-time, you know, usually once, twice a week, it's, it's not enough to burn me out at this point. It's it's really nice to be able to go and recharge my batteries and to do something completely different than what my my full time job is. You know, I have an awesome set of colleagues in both the healthcare field and in the in the agricultural world, and it's nice being able to separate my my agriculture career and for you know just a couple nights a week and do something completely different that that nobody else really knows about or talks about at my at my you know normal monday through friday job so no it's it's just an awesome way to recharge the battery and try different things you know yeah and like we said earlier it ties right back into that you need something to just kind of like you said recharge the battery get back on your equilibrium and i mean just have a, a place that you can go and start over and and not have to worry about you know, the, the multitude of different things that we have to at work. So yeah, not to mention, you know, the, the risk management piece, you and I talk a lot about, you know, maxing out the, uh, the Roth IRA and we talk about 401ks. We talk about, you know, financial peace and financial security. And that's a big part. You know, we're, we're young, we're in our twenties. We're not married. We don't have kids and, and we're going on plenty of trips, having plenty of fun, but the time to, to work your ass off is, is right now, you know, the time to have, two three jobs a couple couple different streams of income there's there's no better time to do that than right now so you know why the hell not i couldn't agree more um and i think we have some friends that that we've had these conversations with as well and um i don't know if, if they're in agreement, but if you don't have anything else to do making a little money never hurt anything yeah you know we we talk about dave ramsey a lot you know live like no one else the later you can live and give like no one else it's a it's a profound concept i love it you and i kind of live by it right now and uh you know it's just a, a great way to to live your life but anyway you know we're so excited like we've mentioned to have mary landheis our guest on this episode of living without a blueprint so sit back enjoy our interview with mary landheis president of lyle corporation and easy All right, everybody, and welcome to the guest segment with Mary Landheis, president of Lyle Corporation and Easyway in Clorinda, Iowa. And Mary, we are so thrilled to have you on board the podcast. Uh, you were on, on my first list of people that we wanted to get in front of when we, when we launched this podcast here about a month ago, and uh, so thrilled that you're able to join us here today. So thanks for coming on. 
Well, absolutely. I was delighted to be asked. This is my first podcast, so uh, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to it. Yeah, it's well, our you first, know, po- this is... first podcast, too, if you're <laughs> yeah, exactly. worried about it, so don't you worry a bit. All right, I'm in good company, I know. <laughs> so, Mary, just to start off, uh, why don't you give listeners just a little bit of background about you, how how you ended up in this role as president of Lyles and Easyway, and um, just, just want to hear all about Mary Landice. Sure. Well, um, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, as you mentioned, I live in Clorinda, Iowa. I was actually born and raised here. And uh, when it got time to look at graduation in schools, I was, you know, I loved growing up in Iowa. I love small towns. I think there's a lot you can learn from it and, and gain from it. Um, but uh, I was ready to kind of look elsewhere and have some different scenery. So uh, like most high school juniors and seniors, checked out a lot of different schools and went to Northwestern University on a school tour once and absolutely loved it. I loved the city of Chicago and uh, did a, an early admission interview and got in. So I was on top of the world and and spent the next four years in Chicago or in Evanston for those four. Really loved it. Had a lot of good opportunities for internships. So the city of Chicago really offers a lot. And so was able to really get some good experience under my belt and learn from um, some of my peers and some of my instructors. And so really was able to get a good foundation for figuring out, okay, what's going to be my first step in my career? And so I was lucky enough, kind of a series of internships led me to, to each next opportunity. And by the time I was ready to graduate, uh, my boss from uh, my past internship hired me to work in corporate communications for Chicago Title. And so I got exposed to a lot of really fun things at an early age. Um, we were creating their first website, believe it or not. This is in 1995. So got some experience with that. Uh, did a lot with advertising, uh, with a lot of promotions. Uh, was lucky enough to handle all of the sports tickets for Chicago title. So got to catch in a few games and have fun with that. But it was really just a good first job to be able to start with. And I was lucky that they exposed me to a lot of things. So enjoyed that. Uh, but after a few years, some, we had some changes there at Chicago title and in our department. And I thought, you know, I think it might be time to make a change. So I started looking at different opportunities and I have always been intrigued by sales. Love, I love people. I was a communications, marketing and business major in college. Um, so that was really fed my passion to try something new. So um, I st- started working for Business Wire, which is an uh, international wire service. There are only two in the US, uh, PR Newswire and Business Wire, and they just had opened up the Chicago office. So I was their first sales rep there in Chicago and got to work in sales with all public companies. Um, public companies have to send out their earnings information on a quarterly basis. And so to do that, they have to send the information through a Newswire. So I would call on public companies and then also PR and marketing contacts just for private or public companies or firms in general. So I handled the uh, city of Chicago uh, and the state of Wisconsin and some of the northern suburbs. So really just got to cut my teeth in sales um, through that job. And I, I loved it. Had a lot of fun. Um, seemed to be pretty good at it. And I had some good mentors. We had about, oh, 90 different reps across the nation. And we're able to get together and do a lot of uh, conference calls and just learn from their experiences too. So again, it was another really good experience for me for just to get out there and learn from uh, the various roles and, and people that I got to be able to work with. And my husband and I, we were married, oh, just shortly after I graduated from college. And I was lucky enough that he was willing to move to Chicago. So he joined me after graduation and he got some good exposure from a career standpoint too. But about five years later, we started thinking about kids. And when you start doing that, um, your perspective changes a lot. And it will for you too someday too. But um, anyway, so we were looking at daycare options in the Chicago area and we lived downtown and we loved it. It was great for a young couple. But in terms of raising a kid, it really just wasn't 
it wasn't the environment we wanted and honestly it was just hard to find good daycare so um, we started thinking okay what do we want to do do we want to move to the burbs uh, of course we wanted to be around our family and that was a challenge living eight hours away from Clorinda my husband's from the same area so um, Iowa started looking pretty good and so we looked at some different opportunities back in Clorinda and the surrounding area and decided to make the jump back so it was a great time in our lives to be able to do that my family lived in the area as well as Brad's and so uh, we knew that our, our children would be able to grow up around their grandparents and they would have just a really good life and be able to do a lot of things that we weren't sure they'd be able to do in an urban atmosphere so so we moved back to Iowa and at the time I remember thinking oh I love this job I've got a lot of freedom a lot of independence and I'm actually pretty good at it so do I really want to give this up and move back and what are they going to have for me there but um, luckily there was an opportunity with um, our family business in Clorinda it's called it was Lyle Corporation and it wasn't really in the field any field that I'd ever been exposed to but I thought you know what you can figure it out and that's so it was actually in IT and at the time we had a mainframe system and we had our own homegrown software and it was really well constructed and so they were needing someone to help with programming and I thought well I've never programmed before but let's just see how this goes so I literally I bought a book called COBOL for dummies and studied that baby front to back and just learned how to program and so it was really interesting in that what I found is that programming touches every aspect of a business and so I was really able to learn a lot about Lyle just by working on different projects in various areas of the company. So was it my dream job? Was it what I thought I would always grow up to do? And no, definitely not. But it was a great opportunity for me to kind of break into the family business and learn a lot in really in a different area than I ever thought I would be in. So I did that for about three years and really enjoyed it. Um, and then an opportunity came up it's um, our company Lyle Corporation I'll give a little history pretty soon but we have been around since 1903 so 120 years now and we grow in two ways really our mantra is to go through new product development we have very aggressive new product development in the automotive aftermarket industry but then also in acquisition and we've done several many acquisitions over the years and some are in the automotive field and then actually we ventured out into some new areas but at the time um, this was really our first acquisition that wasn't in the automotive aftermarket and so I was offered the opportunity to work with this new acquisition it was a company in Minneapolis and it was called Easyway and Easyway was a great company it really had a, a Midwestern presence but it was in a totally different field it was in healthcare so Easyway manufactured uh, safe patient handling equipment. So it's equipment to be able to safely move patients in hospitals and nursing homes. And really it was for the purpose of the saving the backs of healthcare workers as well as making sure that patients could safely be transferred. So it was interesting. This industry and this business were totally new to everyone at Lyle. But we knew healthcare always promises a lot of growth. And this company had done very well and were really had a great Midwestern presence but they just didn't have enough capital to go to a national level they had a Midwestern sales force that had done very well but again just needed um, kind of a new partner to work with to help grow the business and really add to the product line so I was given the opportunity to head up uh, the sales force and so it was um, it was a totally different industry I'd never even seen a lift and so um, you have to start from ground one but with the acquisition um, we did bring some people from Minnesota down to Clorinda but otherwise beyond that did have a lot of staff here in Clorinda that um, were traditionally Lyle employees that then started working with Easyway so we were all starting from square one and I will say that is the best way to learn quickly about a business when you know you only have a 
certain time frame to be able to say, okay, we've got to figure this out because the clock's ticking because you can't hold on to a new, uh, the acquisition forever. The change of ownership will happen. So after about six months, then we fully uh, took over the company. But in the meantime, like I say, just a lot of travel, traveled to Minnesota on a weekly basis, um, which when at the time I had two little kids, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And so that was really a total change from what our lifestyle had been. But I was lucky that I had a lot of family support. And my husband was, he was great about handling everything from daycare to uh, ponytails to making sure that uh, everybody was well-fed and happy. So, so anyway, off I went uh, to Minnesota again, or throughout the country, honestly, pretty quickly soon after. Um, so I'll stop and take a breath. Is there anything you want to go into at this point? One thing eye-opening to me, um, and maybe you could speak on this a little bit as well, mm-hmm. is obviously your guys' business went through a major change um, and had to diversify itself. Mm-hmm. Can you speak um, on the importance of a business or really anybody, uh, whether that be an individual or a company like we just mentioned, being open to change um, and, and taking those changes with grace instead of being stuck in one's way and uh, kind of just keeping yourself with the, um, you know, the, the, the blinders on, y- mm-hmm. you may say. So w- what are your thoughts on that and, um, and how important do you think that is in, in terms of being successful? Well, I will say from our company's perspective, it's critical. And that's the reason why we've been around for a hundred. It's one of the many reasons why we've been around for as long as we are. Um, Lyle started in 1903, as I mentioned, as um, they had a foundry, and the foundry uh, made a lot of seasonal items, so well drilling machines, hog oilers, uh, cream separators, and so this was in 1903. Now, you look at what we sell today, we don't sell any well drilling equipment, certainly we don't sell any more hog oilers, Um, and so... Uh, we the one thing we did sell at the time was a we had an automotive dealership and again the Ford the Model T had just come out cars were new um, and they weren't made very well and so um, the cars kept breaking down and as a result of this our foundry started making tools for the automotive distributorship so we could fix these cars coming in and that is really the core business currently that Lyle um, does today. So it's we make over 750 different automotive specialty tools. But if we were still making horse-drawn well-digging machines or hog oilers, we wouldn't be here. So it's critical. Um, but it was interesting with the change of to EasyWay with that acquisition. Again, what we just going into a different industry that we knew promised growth where we could still make the product here and be able to grow the company. Those are really some of the most important criteria that we looked for in terms of growth and what our strategy was in terms of bringing an acquisition to Clorinda and why it made sense for us to do that as a company. Um, We've also had another acquisition in 2015, a company called Dunham Tools and Dunham manufacturers machine tools so uh, bar pullers expanding collets chucks and they were located in Connecticut and so we saw the need uh, again to grow the business and saw an opportunity to do that and we knew we could move it into Clorinda have it under our roof and so we did and so again it's just looking at different things in a different light to say what's going to promise growth what's going to work well for our company and we're currently looking for some new opportunities for growth um, to be able to offset a potential loss in business that we're kind of thinking about on the horizon with um, the onset of EVs coming down the road. And again, there aren't a lot of the percentage of electric vehicles in the U.S. right now is a very small percentage, but we know in the future that's going to grow and that's okay. That's great. But when we look at our product line for Lyle in particular, Um, about a third of the tools that we manufacture are used on the internal combustion engine. And so are we selling well today? Absolutely. But 
will we have a change and a shift of sales that in the future we're potentially going to have to replace? Yes. And so will that be five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line? It'll be gradual, but we know now that we need to start making some changes to be able to make up for that shift. So I guess all in all, trying to answer your question, you, you always have to be thinking about um, what the future is going to bring and be very strategic about being aggressive versus being complacent to say, oh, now we've got a problem and what are we going to do? So the more you can be prepared and think ahead as a business, the better off you are. Mary, I, I want to clue in on something that, that you said early on in your background. And I think that it's a, it's a concept that whether it's well taught in today's early education or not, uh, just the importance of internships. You talked about your your internship background, and interestingly enough, actually, my first ever internship was at Lyle and Easy Way. Uh, Mary was gracious enough to take on a couple of rambunctious high school kids as her intern uh, back in 2018, and I was lucky enough to be one of those. But talk about the importance of of internships and and how you see that that really preparing uh, young, young adults for uh, a successful career after high school and college. Mm -hmm. Well, as you, I think they're, they're one of the most important things you can do as someone looking at your future, because they can teach you a lot about what you do like, what you don't like. Um, you learn about uh, just people skills. You learn how to just really preparation for a job. Um, and it's in terms of building your resume, again, it's so important. And it doesn't have to be, again, the, the top internship in your field. But it show, you have to show what your experience was. you got to learn and be able to build on that, too. Because uh, for me, again, I would have one experience that would, again, lead to another. And by the time I was ready to graduate from college, um, again, I'd had enough contacts and had been able to do enough networking that I didn't have to necessarily, well, at the time you used the yellow, the um, one ads in the newspaper, but I had contacts where I knew I had opportunities to go reach out to versus start from ground zero. So again, it's, it's a big part of education just throughout that whole growing experience. And so I think the more you can do that, whether they're part-time, full-time, job shadowing, it really can lead to something. So, and again, it all builds on itself. Yeah, I think one thing that you said right there, an internship is probably just as much as someone figuring out what they don't want to do for the rest of their mm -hmm. lives as it is what they do want to do for the rest of their lives. And um, that's something that I think every young adult needs to be considering when they're taking that internship. Um, for us in the agricultural industry, when, when we go to a, a career fair or whatever, you always want to go seek out those best internships and, and get the, the top tier companies that you're hoping for. And instead of maybe a, um, a crop scout or, or something like that, but really those, those experiences, you know, teach you a lot about yourself. They, they give you some, some great experiences and, and knowledge that you're going to use the rest of your life. And then yes, it's going to teach you exactly. Maybe this is not the direction that, that I want to go in and better to figure that out now than 10 years into a career that you don't like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's good to be open to various things within a field or even in a field that you haven't been in. That's okay. You know, that's a time of your life. Well, I mean, you should explore and stretch yourself to me throughout your lifetime. But um, again, don't be afraid to try something that um, that you hadn't thought of too. I have, unfortunately, I have friends who started at, went to college for a certain degree and field and whatnot. And this happens all the time. And that's okay too, because you should be able to change and grow throughout life. But it's tough when someone spends a lot of money on a four-year degree and they've never really worked in that field, but then they go out to work to get their first job and their first year in they say, I hate this. I want to try something different. And that's okay. Um, and it happens, like I say, all the time. And that's a part of career growth too. But to me, I would say the more you can get some exposure to what you're doing and look at other areas, just go for it because it will be invaluable to you. Mary, you, you brought up networking as well, and I'm glad you did because when I think of someone who is just the queen of networking and just a champion for 
uh, small business in Iowa for business in Iowa in general. Um, you are, you are top of mind. When I think about that, you were recently uh, appointed to the, the Iowa workforce development board, uh, by governor Kim Reynolds here. Can you tell us about, uh, about that experience and, and what you do as, as a, as a board member of the Iowa workforce development board? Sure. Yes. Um, it's, I'm about a year into this uh, experience, which has been great and has really, again, taught me a lot about um, some of the things that are currently going on in the state and that the governor is doing to really um, help both employers and employees in the state of Iowa and help people really get some more upskilling and really, but provide the service and the support that's needed at all levels. So she actually just announce some big changes um, that are going to be going on in the administration, but it's all to streamline and get people uh, to services much more quickly. And so, again, I've been able to meet a lot of people who are working hands-on in workforce development every day, of course, to, to be able to help get connect those employees with businesses um, but there's always work to do in any organization and so that's what we're kind of looking at right now is some of the systems and things that we can do to just really help provide more services and get people back to work in the jobs that really are going to provide great value to them as quickly as possible now mary i got a funny funny little sidebar here when i met hunter when when we began college all of us friends, we there, a majority of us weren't from Southwest Iowa or really had no clue of about Clorinda or anything of that nature. And all Hunter Crawford could talk about was Clorinda, Iowa, and how much he loved it and how he can't wait to go back. And we all need to come down to the Lost Nation and, and see all this stuff. And um, it, it turned into this running joke that, gosh, we never want to come to Clorinda just just to push Hunter's buttons, as you as one can imagine, uh, that those can be pushed. Um, but finally, I, I don't like admitting this to him, um, but when, once I finally got down there and, and George Crawford gave me the, the good old-fashioned Clorinda tour, um, I was a believer and understood where he was coming from. Um, but to be a, a large manufacturer in a town, I mean, Clorinda certainly isn't Chicago. Um, can you talk about the importance of a community embracing the companies that, that you have um, and, and how important that has been for the success throughout the years? Absolutely. It's been critical. And it's, like I say, our relationships, the relationships you have within a community, um, they're vital for everything from your schools, your hospitals, uh, local businesses, you name it, recreation, your libraries. Um, it's We all share the same common goal, and that's to grow and thrive and have a great place to live. And I'll say Clorinda does a phenomenal job about that. Um, people are go-getters, um, they're helpers. When there's an initiative that needs to be taken care of, when there's a need in the community, people are phenomenal. And so um, it's it's one of those things that really to be able to, to sustain each other, it, it's something that you just really have to do and you have to be committed to. So um, we've been, gosh, like I say, we've been here for 12 decades now and have had 12 decades of phenomenal employees that have really gotten us where we are today, uh, but also have had a lot of great work from the city administrators and the mayors and, again, the hospitals and you name it. And, of course, the schools, a lot of partnership there. So um, Iowa Western Community College, uh, we do a lot with them in terms of training for our employees, but it takes working together to develop these things. So, um, yeah, really have to be focused on it. But um, no, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Clarinda is it's a great place to live. Um, it's uh, There are a lot more things than people realize that can be done in a small town. And until you've really visited one, um, you never know. So I, we had a similar experience. My son is uh, the same age as you two. And he also went to school in Chicago. And most of his friends were all from the Chicago suburbs. And so uh, the first summer after he'd been uh, a freshman, he said, well, you guys got to come check this out. And so they had never been, um, most of them had never been to a farm. Um, so we did a lot of that. We got the bow and arrow out. They could shoot um, shoot some hay bales. So <laughs> luckily the hay bales lived. 
um, and go canoeing in a river. You know, just things that you don't think about that are fun and common day to us. But uh, really, it's it's that small town Iowa vibe that enables you to have some of those experiences that you not, wouldn't necessarily be able to do elsewhere. Mary, you uh, you talked a little bit about your partnership with with Iowa Western Community College as the the community college mm-hmm. in. Clarinda. You've been a champion for uh, Iowa's community colleges and you've been a big supporter through through your various volunteer efforts and, and your and your initiatives through um, things like the Iowa Workforce Development and the Association of Business and Industry. Um, and, and you've also made a made a great point that not everyone has to go to a four year university to make a great career and to make a lot of money doing what they they enjoy doing. Can you just just hit on that and the importance of of Iowa and any state's strong community colleges. Absolutely. And the nice thing about our, our community college network is there and there are a variety of different fields and degrees offerings. Um, and it's really enables someone even in the at the high school level, there's been much more of a drive to be able to get kids exposed Um, to those college classes at an early age during high school and actually get a lot of those paid for ahead of time. And you can find that you can get some of those classes, again, under your belt, experiment with some different fields, but then also be working towards your degree. But it doesn't have to be a four-year degree. Again, there are a lot of great paying jobs in a lot of fields where you could get a certificate degree um, or a two-year degree too. And you don't have to sink a lot of money and time into it. And I think to a degree in the 80s and 90s, it seemed like that four-year college degree was always pushed. And that's what um, everyone's told, you know, you won't get a good job unless you go to a four-year college. It's totally untrue, totally untrue. And I think it's nice to see that shift of more of um, shining in the light, really, on all the different career avenues that can be taken with the two-year degree through that great community college network. So... I think um, part of it's a mindset change, but I think it's really, really a great path for a lot of people. Um, so I'm glad to see that shift happening. Yeah, it's definitely something, and I think the amount of money you can think uh, any community college within your um, your area, wherever you've grown up, I feel like the amount of money being invested into those facilities and hands-on learning and all those things has significantly increased over the years and made it a lot more appealing, I'd say, in the last 10 years for mm-hmm. students to go, um, you know, people that probably know that a four-year degree and, and, and sitting behind a desk isn't the route they, they want to take or a route that's effective for them to learn and providing them with an opportunity to, to do that. So that's been been great to see, and I know a lot of my peers have chosen to do that path and are making a very good living doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, we've been lucky. We've been able to, like I say, partner with Iowa Western and develop um, a career curriculum for a two-year certificate program that actually, um, it's manufacturing focused, of course, but um, the other local manufacturers uh, need the same thing. And so um, it can be done after work. So if someone wants to work an eight-hour shift and then go two nights a week and go um, take classes for it's a two-year program to be able to get again some more in-depth with some specifics for manufacturing skills and needs um, that we have every day as well as again other local manufacturers they're able to do that so they can still have a family continue their education and work a 40-hour week so it's really a good shift and it's a good program to be able to again help people upskill pretty quickly um, at a very, very low cost. And as a business, it has helped us tremendously. That tremendously, that program has taught the skills for many years for really uh, the, the core manufacturing skills that we need. So um, I would say we, we could, wouldn't do as well as we have, haven't, wouldn't do as well as we've done without it. So it's a great partnership to have. Mary, shifting gears just a little bit, um, we mentioned, you know, having a business in Clarinda, all of the uh, all of the perks of being in a small town and a small community, and, and and having them support you. What is it like to to be the leader of people and to be the leader of a company in a small community where, um, you know, the the people that that you're leading every day at work, you know, there's there's obviously tough decisions that have to be made sometimes. There's 
you know, be, being a leader is not easy, but then those same people are, are out in the community. They, they go, go to school with your kids. They, they go to the same grocery stores. You, what is it like being a, a leader in a, in a small community like Clorinda? Well, I guess um, in terms of the way I think of it, I, I enjoy working with the people that I do every day. We have, you know, I'm one leader of, among many, many here. And again, um, I'm just one person of the other 320 who walk in the door every day to make us successful. And so I think whenever you're a part of an organization, you you have to remember that you're you're a part of it and you have to support every level and listen to all levels too. You want to make sure that, you know, you certainly don't want to be overbearing and, and definitely not uh, micromanaging, but it, it's important to be able to know and hear what's going on with your company, whether you're and your employees, whether you're sitting in your office walking around the plant or whether you're at the grocery store and somebody stops you and said, hey, you know, I have a good idea for XYZ and I think this might help the company or help me do my job better. And it's great to have that access to people, honestly, because again, we're, the goal is all to succeed together. And so I, I think the more that I can listen and learn from the people that I work with every day, the better a leader I'll be and hopefully the better the company off, the better off the company will be. Well, I've seen firsthand you you walking those rounds through the uh, down on the manufacturing floor and and um, you know th- through my through my short experience at Lyle's and Easy Way that was that was certainly evident. So I th- I think that that you've you know been able to figure that out in a in a way that's uh, super impressive. Well, thank you. It's a lot of fun. I'll say that. Yeah, I think one common theme for the few guests that we've had on our podcast so far. Um, has been you know, humility, being a, a humble leader and, and a humble servant. Um, and I, everyone that we've interviewed is, you know, successful in their own rights. And I think that uh, those two themes, there's a, there's definitely a direct correlation with the two. Yeah. Well, I would agree. Again, if you if you're working for a company for the right reasons, then. Uh, you want to do all you can to learn, listen, and grow and help everybody around you do the same. Because that, again, that's what makes people excited about coming in and discovering new things and to want to go to work every day. Um, Mary, one thing that we, we've talked about here in the last couple episodes has has been the, I guess, the entrepreneurial spirit. And you obviously have 320 employees at your, at your company. And, and one thing that I learned through uh, being an intern with Lyle's an easy way is that just because those 320 people are employees, you value an entrepreneur entrepreneurial experience or a spirit rather in in all of your employees. What I guess what is the value of of hiring good people that that have that that entrepreneurial spirit? Well, it's I'll tell you, someone who is motivated, driven, excited about what they want to do, wants to learn. Those are the employees that, again, that everyone loves. And that's just because someone um, may not have a certain degree or may come from a different background. If someone's motivated, interested, and really wants to you know, be a part of the growth and development of the company, then absolutely, we've, we're focused on upskilling and on really trying to make people um, be able to, like I say, just climb climb the ladder in a good way in a good way where they get exposure to a lot of different areas of the company because that makes us better off in terms of having a well-rounded workforce where someone may have worked in three or four different departments it gives them just a wider breadth of knowledge as to what's going on and so we may have a problem in one area of the company where they've worked and they'll be able to say hey I tried this when I worked over in XYZ and then it also helps them when they're able to um, be able to move into a management role of really having a broader perspective of what's going on with the company. So really the more exposure that people can have to various departments and various experiences, I think the better. And so we really try to instill that promote from within atmosphere within the company. Um, and then in terms of entrepreneurship, it's you know one aspect of that that I always think um, is really fun with what we do here is that, that acquisition piece where, again, a lot of these companies were not 
certainly developed, we're not, well, I shouldn't say we haven't started the company, but it's fun to be able to see different ways where we can grow both the existing company here at Lyle, but then also grow the company that we're acquiring. And it allows you to get into a lot of things that you wouldn't have done before. Um, we have bought a company actually just last October. Um, it's called the Radiator Genie. And an, another story of a good family-owned company, it was a family um, out of Oklahoma that uh, they had this, the dad had this idea for, he was a, he worked on a ranch and his tractor kept getting uh, very dirty and he needed to try to clean it out about two or three times a day. Well, he couldn't find a good product to be able to do that. And so he took it upon himself to develop this product called the Radiator Genie where he uh, was able to get get it developed and actually had it patented and turned it into a business. And so it's fun to see those types of entrepreneurs really just have a good thought and a good idea and be able to take that concept um, and make it happen. And so then it was fun for us to be able to talk to the family who said, you know, we're, we think we've done all we can. Um, it's time to move on. And so we are able to pick up that baton and uh, get that product distributed more widely than the original inventor, but um, it's been fun for us to be a part of their story too and just learn and be inspired about um, the ideas and, and things that they've done. Yeah, I think, especially at the company that I work for, um, leaders have that ability to not just point out things that they would do differently, but find solutions for those problems before anyone else has a chance to. And, um, as a company, it, I think it just makes us better. And, and those types of qualities for a person to possess that they're going to go a long way. And, and the companies that you've acquired and, and the people that you have underneath you, obviously, and still a lot of those same things, which is super important for the success of your business. Now, when you were giving us your spiel, you mentioned something that, um, I find quite interesting. Um, I came up, I, grew up in a, in a home where my mom stayed at home my entire life, uh, had some side businesses here and there. But, um, if I forgot my gym clothes or lunch money or something, I, she was a, a text away and she could be at the school in a heartbeat. Right. So can you talk about managing being a professional in your craft while also managing being a mother? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say it takes help. <laughs> it's, you know, my, my number one role it, role is to be a mom, but um, beyond that, again, career is very important to me, always has been, and again, I've, I've just been really fortunate to have been supported so well by my parents, uh, my husband's mother, and, and by my husband, um, but then also from the great caregivers and caretakers that we've um, that we've been able to lean on throughout the coming years, but it's also balance, too, and balance is tough. I will say when um, I was traveling, again, about 50% of the time, that it was tough when you miss the first oh, the first time your kid rides a bike or they lose a tooth. And but I always knew that they had great people with them who cared for them and loved them while I was gone. But it, it's you know again that's it's it's a choice. And so um, I I enjoy my job. I love my family. But you do just have to kind of pick and choose, and you have to know okay this is. I can't take another trip. It's time to just back off a little bit. Or where do I need help at home? And so, again, is there a perfect answer for every working parent? No, it's just that balance that, that you can strike within your own family. Um, and just trust others to to really help you out, too. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. But um, it's been a great experience for me. Um, I never really could, I never sweat the fact that I would call the babysitter every once in a while and just say, is everything okay? And she's like, well, I thought you were out of town. She said, well, the Kate, the baby's clothes are on backwards and Kate's ponytail look funny, but they're fine. So don't worry about it. So again, you don't sweat the small stuff like that, but uh, it all works out. Mary, I, I want to shift gears and I, I'm, I'm really excited for this story because I've, I've wanted to tell the world about this because it completely changed my life. And, and I think that has the, the potential to change the lives of so many others too. So I obviously have known Mary for a long time. I uh, grew up with, with Mary's son, Nick as my, my best friend throughout childhood. And 
one thing that that Mary taught me, I've always considered her a, a mentor, both personally and professionally. But the one thing that you really taught me about and gave me the first exposure to was the concept of saving and investing early and what the what the power of compound interest can do for for you in the long uh, long run and, and the and towards your retirement and and just just having a, a stable financial future. Can you just give give the audience a a, a five minute Mama Mary talk about the power of interest, <laughs> the power of saving and investing? Because this, this seriously has changed my life, and it, and and I'm trying to change the lives of others through it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll make a quick disclaimer. I'm not a financial planner, but I have always been very very. Um, very interested in just investing and and not again I'm certainly no expert on it but um, have always tried to practice financial discipline and I will just say first of all it's when you're starting out it you don't have to invest a lot every little bit helps but the younger you are and the earlier you start the better off you're going to be long term I always think, you know, we all work so hard for the money we make every day. You spend 40 to 60 hours, whatever that number might be, earning your living. You really need to take care of that money and and just be cognizant of how you're going to make it work for you. And so when you're starting out, especially right after you graduate from high school or graduate from college or whatever post-secondary education that you pursue, college is expensive. Um, even training school, it, it, everything does take money. You need a place to live. You probably need a car. All of a sudden, you might be on your own, paying your own bills. Um, and so that's a tough time to think about investing. But every little bit that you can do, whether it's 20 bucks a month or whatever it is, the more you can save and just sock that away for your future, the better off you're going to be. Um, in terms of thinking about retirement accounts, again, when you're 20 years old, you don't always think, oh, you know, it's retirement's a long ways and why do I need to do that now? If you just do a little bit right now, you and just continue with that and just say, you know what, I really don't need that extra uh, night out at the club or whatever that is, you know, then just put that money away and let that work for you because the better off you will be. And as you said, the the power of compound interest is one of the most powerful things in the world. So I get you don't think about it when you're 20, but by the time you've invested and just put some money away for oh a few years, three, four, five, you start to really see that money grow for you, and that's when it starts getting fun and becomes real. So again, the more you can just watch what you're doing with your money and put some money away, uh, better off you're going to be. No, that's that, that's perfect, Mary, and and I think that that Trent and I are, are going to have an episode saved here here one of these days to to just do a a quick personal finance talk with with young people and 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 talk about you know the the power of compound interest things like that. But I just wanted to highlight that that you were the one that uh, that introduced me to you know to to retirement and savings and and, and the power that that your own money has to to set you up for a a safe future. And, uh, I just wanted to highlight that and, and, uh, give you a shout out here on the air for that. Well, I wish if this weren't a podcast, you better believe I'd be flashing my spreadsheet up there to show what compound interest will do over a 10 or 20 year (laughs) period. So, (laughs) but I'll let you do that in in your next course. So, so funny enough, and you may not have even, uh, known this, but you obviously inspired Hunter to start thinking about this and obviously become pretty passionate about it. And there was a semester in the the house that we lived in that we shared a room together and we were sitting there one night, gosh, this is probably our junior year, maybe fall of junior year. And I have student debt. That's, that's how I got through college. And I'm sitting there just trying to wring my head around investing and where to start and what to do, how to get myself on a plan. And Hunter goes from, from being this funny, non-serious person to straight-faced, tells me this whole story of how you guys were together in your kitchen or something like that, and you pulled the spreadsheet out, and mm-hmm. this is what this can do. And since that moment, I have 
you know, you've obviously changed Hunter's life in that way, but I guess subsequently you helped change mine too in a way because that since that moment I felt like I was inspired to to get on track and understood where to start. Um, so it's it's kind of funny how things like that can get passed forward without you know another person even noticing. So um, I actually had that same that same bullet point written down, Hunter. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Well, it's great to see that you guys are passing that on to others, too, because, again, it's just um, just learning a little bit. Um, that's all it takes. And, again, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it's really just starting bit by bit, and and you'll get there. Everyone can get there, but it's really just um, just starting. So, Mary, I, I mentioned that, that you really served as one of my, my mentors, both personally and professionally, uh, throughout my early life. Trent and I have talked about on this podcast before that, that we've had a lot of mentors throughout our lifetime that have really changed our life. Can you talk about maybe some of the mentors that you've had throughout throughout your personal professional life and, and what the importance has been to, to maybe have mentors to look up to and to bounce ideas off of and to, to go to when, when things get tough or you just need someone to talk to? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it's everybody needs to have somebody to talk to. And it's, I've been really lucky in that, um, I've had a lot of phenomenal mentors just within my own family too. Um, I've been able, I've been lucky to work with um, my uncle. My uncle John is our currently a chairman of the board and longtime president of Lyle Corp. And then my father, Bill Lyle, he also is on our board of directors. I had a huge impact on Lyle Corporation um, and a huge impact on me certainly and just really helping guide me through um, through everything I've gone through in life. Um, and then also Fred Lyle, he was my predecessor, um, and I, I started working, uh, well, I, I'm in my current role now as president, I started in 2018, and unfortunately um, was due to Fred's untimely passing. Um, we were fortunate that we had already done uh, some work in terms of just a succession plan, and so we knew what path uh, would happen, but just never would have anticipated uh, Fred's sudden pathing, but I always, I always appreciate everything that all three of them did really just to help me and give me as much encouragement and guidance in terms of whether it's the business, um, whether it's looking at new opportunities or, or whatnot. They always included me and always made sure um, to give me good advice, um, but also my mother, uh, my grandparents, excuse me, all my grandparents, they all had different influences me throughout my life. And again, I was just lucky to be, to grow up around a very solid group of people who were always there whenever I needed them. So, um, that was really a big part of it. Um, and then certainly, honestly, in any job I've ever had, um, it doesn't have to necessarily have been my boss or whatnot, or a coworker, but everyone around you, I think you can learn from and can be a mentor if you're looking for, um, and any looking for that in any way. Um, every day here at work, there are a lot of people that I learn a lot of great tips and things from that, again, if you just pay attention and and look around you, there are a lot of good things that you can learn from each other. So uh, I think it's important to keep that going. Um, a lot of networking, that helps too. ABIs, I mentioned I've been a, a part of ABI since 2003, and uh, it's an organization of business professionals throughout the state. and I know that there are, oh, at least 30 people I can call on any given day if I have a question or a problem or something that I'm looking into, and they'd be more than happy to help me out. So I think just building those networks and um, and getting out and getting exposed to people that you might be able to, that can help you through life and through your career, it's really invaluable. And you never know when that question will come up or when that problem will come up, but if you know people around you that you trust and and you could get some good advice from uh, it's really uh, it's very it's invaluable mary i've got one last question before we go sure. but before that i would just like to say thank you so much for agreeing to be a, a part of this podcast um, i know that everyone's going to be excited to hear your story and hear more about you um, as a professional in, in your field so um, i would be remiss if i didn't ask We've got to have some funny story or, or if you could just 
let the audience understand uh, who a, a young Hunter Crawford was uh, growing up, just just to give us a better understanding. Oh, where to start on that question, Dred? <laughs> I will just say that um, I enjoy every time Hunter Crawford walks through my front door and have since he was a little kid until till this day. So, um, you know, I... Yeah, I guess I will just say that um, there's a lot of good tales, a lot of fun. Um, but his hearing his pager go off on a Saturday morning and hearing um, uh, just what goes on and his excitement for for all of the work he did for the the people of Clarinda and the EMT crew, um, you know, I got the biggest kick out of that, honestly. But um, I'll just I'll let a lot of those stories lie for our audience today. So. Mary, I I appreciate that. I think Trent was trying to uncover some dirty laundry here, and and there, there probably is some some stories that shouldn't be told. But no, we've we've certainly had a lot of fun over the years, and uh, and and have, have always have always found my second home to be at at the Land Heist House. Actually, funny enough, when when I was in high school, going through the the FFA program, our freshman year, we got these signs that said. Uh, FFA member lives here and it had our name on the bottom of it. And I went, I went after school that day to the land heist house and I, I put it in in their front window so that, so that all the visitors at the land heists could know that I lived there too. And I, I was at your house about a month ago and the, the sign's still in the window. So it has, it has it's survived at least it's it's survived several years there and and I I always feel at home with you but no Mary thanks again for for being uh, our guest and we loved hearing about your experiences we loved hearing about Lyle and Easy Way and yeah just thank you again this has been another episode of Living Without a Blueprint. Thank you all for listening. Uh, tune in in two weeks for another great episode. We have a phenomenal guest lined up for you all, and we are excited for you to hear his story. Follow us on social media, both Facebook and Instagram, at Living Without a Blueprint. And until next time, we'll say see you later. Bye.